Welcome to Big Brave Business. This is a podcast built on the belief that you can create absolutely anything for yourself. Whether it's a dream job or a dream life, it's all possible for you. I'm Amanda Nelson, a virtual assistant and digital marketer. And that's Sarah Heater, podcast producer and strategic consultant. Each week, we will share insights from working with dozens of clients, stories of how we got where we are, and encourage you to see us as your new business besties. So grab a cup of coffee and let's talk being brave in business. Welcome back to Big Brave Business. We are so excited to be back again for another week. Thank you for joining us. (laughs) Yes. Hey, Sarah, how are you? I'm doing really well. You know this because you are my, well, I hate saying you're my virtual assistant, but (laughs) we always talk about you being a virtual assistant on this podcast. So, Uh, but you're part of my team and man, I have just been cranking out some work these past yes. days. <laughs> yes, and uh, yeah, if you don't follow me on Instagram, I didn't share this over there, but if you don't follow me on Instagram or if you missed it, then I I, I did the entire PodFox website like myself. I just sat down and just whipped it out. And, and <laughs> when I say myself, Amanda put the framework together for me. So thank you for doing that. You're and uh, that helped a lot with me kind of wrapping my arms around what the heck is supposed to even go on there. But I cranked all of that out. I updated the branding for almost all of our old resources from like Sarah K. Heater branding to PodFox branding. If you're new here, I've been doing business in the past just as Sarah K. Heater this past year has been a transition to a company name, which is Podbox. So it has totally separate websites, separate branding, all of that. So that's what I've been working on. And it's insane. I like sent the link to my mom to say like, hey, here's why I've been so like uncommunicative because I've been working a lot. And she was like, um, that is a ton of resources. Did you just make all of those? It's like, no, actually, I already had them. They look so good too in the PodFox colors. Like I'm obsessed. Thank you. It's really fun and it's really fun and colorful and happy. And but yeah, I've been cranking out a ton of work. So I'm just super motivated right now. And that is really helpful for just like being excited about work and wanting to work all the time. How about you? How are you? I'm doing good. Things have been really, really busy, but exciting. I have gotten the opportunity to work with some new people on some new smaller projects, which has been fun. Yeah, things have been really good. I will say it feels like I'm doing a ton of work. You know, those weeks where you feel like you're doing a ton of work and you're like, there's no, but there's nothing to report. Like, like everything has just been a lot of projects getting completed. A lot of my clients are out for spring break in the, this, uh, the next two weeks. So I have deemed the next two weeks no call, except for you, no, no <laughs> call, catch up, project completion. I'm getting all those projects knocked out that I've been working on for forever and or just like things that I want to get ahead on. I'm really trying to um, just get a ton of stuff knocked out so that when they come, when all my clients are back from vacationing, it's just a whole lot more easier on me. So nothing new and exciting to report, but also I'm working in my pajamas for the next two weeks and that alone is very exciting. (laughs) No, I totally hear you. First of all, I pretty much work in my pajamas even when I have meetings, but I have been doing this thing this year where since the start of 2023, each month I block off a week or so 
of the month to take no meetings and I have them reserved on my calendar for like the whole year of what week and I might have to go in and change the weeks for like later in the year but it is so helpful because first of all if we decide we want to go somewhere I've already got the time blocked off on my calendar and second of all yes you need the catch-up time I mean the meetings can really get away from you it's just like in corporate where it's like tons and tons of meetings can keep you from actually doing the work that's pretty much exactly how I feel um I will say too when you work from an hourly standpoint it really does limit the amount of work that you can put into when you have an hour allotted for a meeting I could I could, while a meeting is going on, I could be uploading a video for a client. I could be updating show notes, et cetera. And I just feel like there's a ton of projects that I could be doing instead of just being limited to the hour that I'm on the call, if that makes sense. I'm just so much more, and when I'm on calls with clients, I'm super engaged. So it's impossible to multitask. So not only is it just oh, there goes an hour of meeting time, but it's also the ability that I could have been doing multiple projects at once, wrapping up multiple projects. So I am not on your level yet, but I seek to be like you. (laughs) Right now I just have, basically I take two days non-negotiable of the week, no calls. Um, But I'm trying to get where I have Wednesday, Thursday, and Fridays, I have no calls. And then Mondays and Tuesdays are my call days. But I had a ton of clients have big programs launch right before they left for spring break. So we've been insanely busy with those, very hands-on. And I'm so excited for all the clients and all the work they put in. You've had a ton of big stuff come up. So like I told you, I think things are starting to slow down, which which is really good. But I am... Super excited for what we're talking about this week, which is our baby entrepreneur stories, how we got started, what was our first experience as an entrepreneur, all those things. And I think what led up to it was this past week, we got to talking, we were texting about first jobs. Was that what it was about? And I started talking about how I used to have a business before. I think you just mentioned, oh, but, um, oh, I know why. Because you were talking about people who are following you on social media who have been part of your network oh, for yeah. the entire duration of your entrepreneurship journey. And you alluded to a business I didn't even know you had, which led to this whole conversation where I was like, what? I, do I even know you? We are supposed to be business besties. And I didn't even know this entire part of your life existed. So it let us down like a rabbit hole of how long have you kind of been an entrepreneur and what have your different entrepreneurship endeavors looked like. And I really feel like for a lot of us, and I think if you're listening, I wonder if this is true for you too, where we tend to be the type of people who have been entrepreneurially minded, like for as long as we can remember. Do you remember as a kid, any kind of, I want to sell stuff (laughs) or- yeah. Like, what was that like for you? Okay, we're going to kick it way back and then we'll and then I'll speed forward in baby Amanda's life. But I remember being in elementary school and thinking to myself that if I would save my lunch money, that by the end of the week, I would have X amount of money. Again, I think I've talked about it a little bit on this show, but I didn't grow up with a ton of money. So for me, I was always thinking about money. I have I can't remember a time where I ever 
didn't think about money, didn't consider money. It never, I mean, it's always played in my mind. When I hear people talk about the fact that they didn't know about bank accounts and things like that until they got older, I'm like, lucky you that you didn't have to think about things like that. But I I was always very aware that the more money I had, the more successful I would be or the more I was able to do, I'll say that. So I remember being like in elementary school and thinking to myself, if I saved the 75 cents that I used for my lunch, by the end of the week, I'd have X amount of money and I could save that up to get art materials to sell artwork to like my teachers, to my friends, to my, like, I remember feeling like I could do this. I could make this into business and make more money. Where that came from, I honestly don't know, but it was just always in my mind of, oh, I could do this and I could make more money. Of course, I did things like lemonade stands. My family was very supportive of that. My dad had a um, furniture store growing up and he was always very entrepreneurial minded as well. He worked at the, um, like he worked at the railroad, which the small town that I grew up in had a lot of corporations. And so he worked there uh, and then he worked in the paper company for a long time. And he also had the furniture business and he would let me come in and clean the floors. He'd give me money. Like, I just remember being very young and always wanting to find ways to make money. And that was my, that's my very first memory of being an entrepreneur. What about you? Yeah, I think as a kid, I definitely had that mentality of I could I could make anything into a business and I di- I wasn't successful at it. I wasn't making money, but I had ideas all the <laughs> yeah. time. And anytime I learned how to make something, it'd be like, "Huh, people like this, I could make it and sell it." I I specifically remember doing this with um those like pot holders that you could weave did you ever do that oh yeah 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 (laughs) like yeah like the loom and I was convinced that I could sell them so I started this whole empire of I'm gonna build I'm gonna like create all of these different color schemes and all this so we have all this inventory and I never freaking finished them so I had all these like I ended up (laughs) abandoning the project and I had this like stack of unfinished pot holders in a million different colors that sat in my closet for years so yeah I just I feel like I was always having that that mentality of like huh if I could figure out how to make that I could sell it huh if I could and it's like okay how would I how would I pitch it how would I market it how like I was always I didn't know those words right but I was always thinking that and I remember my dad saying to me when I was a little kid oh we're a lot alike that way like we both are always looking for new business ideas and I was so tickled to kind of have that in common with him at the time and it's funny because his entrepreneurship journey has not been easy and I think I shared in the very first episode so shout out to you if you've been listening since then that that was actually one of my mom's like biggest hesitations about me pursuing entrepreneurship in recent years is that she was married to my father and (laughs) uh, experienced the ups and downs of entrepreneurship she was nervous for me so yeah anyways it's been my whole it's my mindset my whole life is always idea generation yeah yeah follow through not so much (laughs) (laughs) Well, you were also like a child trying to make potholders. So I feel like that's you get a pass on that. 
I also am thankful too. looking back on it now as an adult. I had a lot of adults give me a lot of opportunities to learn and to work. I remember I had a dance teacher. I was really big into ballet. Like if you would have asked me my senior year of high school, I was like, oh, I'm going to be a prima ballerina. That was my goal. And I remember I had a dance teacher who was like, you know, if you want to pay for your classes, we will, you can, you can assist, you can come in and assist, but you do have to be here at this time and you have to stay here this long. And I remember I was like in middle school and I would, I would help assist with the younger girls and boys for that matter, but the younger classes. And I remember thinking now looking back on it, I'm like, part of me wonders if it's because they knew that I was financially struggling, but also I wonder too, if it was just that they may have saw something in me, the, a willingness to like want to earn my own way that they gave me that opportunity. I also, we've mentioned this at a previous episode, worked at a summer camp and that was offered to me. I didn't apply to do that. It was somebody asked me, Hey, would you want to do this? things, opportunities that I never probably would have looked at for myself. It makes me realize that I could get that opportunity to other people too. You know what I mean? It just really makes you like all those small experiences really added up to my journey along, along the way. But so fast forward a little bit, tell me what was your like first entrepreneurial endeavor as like a semi-adult? Actually, before I go to semi-adult, I'm going to match you with middle school Because in middle school, I started babysitting. And when I say I started babysitting, yes, sometimes for people I knew, but I also started putting flyers in everyone's mailbox in town. Like, you're not actually allowed to do, but that's okay. I was in middle school. I didn't know. (laughs) And then I also built websites. I was in an after school web club, learned how to like write HTML and CSS, and then really like flourished from there, self taught. And There were a lot of like local businesses that needed websites and not build a lot of them, but I built out a few web pages for people, which translated in high school to making people's AOL instant messenger like extended (laughs) files. Do you remember how like people would have a link? This is like Lincoln bio before Lincoln bio, like you're a... AOL Instant Messenger profile would have like just a limited character amount, but you could link stuff. So people would put links to a miniature website where they could build out like an extended profile. So my best friend at the time actually and I all like we started a business together where we built a bunch of templates and sold them for AOL Instant Messenger extended profiles, which then became MySpace profile templates that we would sell like MySpace code that by the end of high school slash early college. So that like web design thing, she and I were both in the same after school web club in fifth grade. And then it just totally took off from there. Like that. That is crazy. (laughs) So so, that is not that is that's really cool. Like I didn't have none of my hustles until I was like, uh, I think a senior in high school. Did I ever get like a technical side side gig, which was like photography? You're out here writing code as a fifth grader, like a boss. (laughs) Yeah, it's funny because I don't know. I'm not sure exactly what year I probably started doing it for money. I think like sixth or seventh grade probably. But once we learned, once we taught ourselves, if you know anything about web web design, once we taught ourselves CSS, it was a total game changer. And I mean, when I say we did this, we literally opened a blank notepad document and started typing. And that's how we built websites back then. So now like by honestly by high school people were using like programs like dreamweaver and all these other like web design things dreamweaver i know and it was way out of our scope we were like 
we're hard coders. I'm not to do this. So yeah, anyways, it is funny to your point to think back about how the technical part, the technology part has been part of my story since I was a kid as well. And I like don't necessarily think of myself as a super techie person, but here I am with like these tech businesses. So yeah. It's very true. Yeah. I remember starting to do photography and that was another, a really good example of someone giving me an opportunity. Somebody gave me a camera and was like, Hey, you'd be good at this. And I was like, really? Okay. And I remember having, um, I remember having a Blackberry and I used to take pictures of everything on my Blackberry. And I was (laughs) like, I was color quality. (laughs) uh, Let me tell you something. People are probably trying to buy those like millennials um, are crying because Gen Zers are out there trying to buy old Blackberries to get rid of iPhones because they're they're coming back around from what I hear. But anyways, I started doing photography and that really paid a lot of my way through to get me into to move out of my small town. I did photography to get out of my small town. And I went and um, I moved about three hours from home and I got a job working at a hair salon and I was doing photography on the side and looking back now it made all the difference financially for me as a baby 18 year old trying to like find my footing in life it's just crazy how you find businesses when you're open and entrepreneurial minded when you need them you know, like I found being a VA because I needed, I needed something else. I need I, what my corporate job was not fulfilling to me. I was not happy, but I was open to it and it found me, you know, and I think all of the things that I've done have been, um, given to me in a way when I need it the most because I was open to it. I looked for it. I was willing to work for it, you know, but yeah, when I, I left college, I did not have a great experience at college whatsoever, and I moved back at home to kind of regroup, and I met this person, another opportunity to work in a store in downtown in the area that I was born and raised in, and I had the opportunity, again, to learn how to paint furniture, and I did that for about five or six years, and I grew a successful business. I was teaching painting classes on the weekends. I did, I had a lot of custom work. I loved it from to do it in the small town that I did it. Now, looking back, it was very successful. Now, when I was in it, I remember thinking, oh, this is like, you know, chump change. This is a side gig. I could have. Right. But looking back on it, I wish I could kick myself because it was actually pretty successful considering that the population of my small town is like, I don't know, the size of Stars Hollow. (laughs) When you, good reference. When when you sent me photos, honestly, it, I thought it was mind-blowing. It looked so cool that you had... Yeah. Uh, because to clarify for people listening who did not know you then, because as we established, there are some people who have been the real ones supporting you since then. It's but, very true. But uh, for those who did not know you then, we're not talking like you painted a couple of pieces in your house. We're talking you had a physical location, like you had a store yeah. that people... Yeah came to take classes in you had a whole office space like what was your inventory like I mean it was like a whole thing yeah it was attached to the business that I worked in that I so I managed a retail store called Antigone's for and if you're back home in Bruton Alabama and you're listening to this and you knew me when 
shout out to you. But I managed that store for about six years and the owner of the store sent me to North Carolina to be educated by the best, the goat, Annie Sloan, who was the original um, creator of chalk paint. I'm not going to get into chalk paint here, but I'm, it was a big deal at the time. And so she let me work out of the back of the store. So I had like my own little quote unquote storefront. I had an office. I had a big, big warehouse and all that. So like inventory wise really varied because it was totally up to me to go out and get the pieces. So scouring yard sales, going to thrift stores, buying pieces on the cheap, finishing them, you know, making sure that all the knobs match, things like that. And then I also, um, I also took a lot of commission pieces and those were done by like, how much time did I have each month to dedicate to that, you know? But I mean, it was my full-time gig. I was really, I mean, I did pretty, pretty well. I was living at home at that time. So looking back on it, I'm like, girl, why were you complaining about bills? Like you had money coming in. <laughs> like I don't, I didn't have half the responsibility that I do now, but it was good. Yeah, it was a really good business. And I did that. But before I even started doing that, I had a online clothing boutique. Shout out to you. If you were around about 12 years ago, when Lovebirds Boutique was rocking and rolling online. I shipped internationally. It was awesome. I really, really, really loved, loved the work. I loved doing it. Looking back, I'm like, oh, you should have kept it going. But I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be where I'm at now had I, had I not. But my life circumstances changed. I ended up moving to where I live now. And so I, everything kind of closed down at that point. And that's what led me to working in the marketing agency that I was in, which led me to the job I have now. So like at the end of the day, it all worked out, but there is still a part of me. Like I tell my husband all the time, I'm like, oh, I wish I could have a business again. Like I want to have a storefront. Like I would love that so much. I think long term, that would be incredible. But I also know like how hard those businesses are. Like it's retail is so hard. And I also remember thinking a big concern of mine when I was doing the painted furniture was realistically, how physically long can I do this? Like I'm picking up hundreds of pounds of furniture every week. You know, I'm having to move things around by myself. It's very strenuous. It's a lot of labor. It's very intensive. You're like a lot of fumes. Like I was, I remember thinking to myself, realistically, how can I do this every single day until I'm 80? Like not really. So there's a lot of nostalgia in it for me, but those were my big businesses that really catapulted me to where I was and gave me a big insight. I still have big plans and I still have some things in the works, I think in the future. I don't think I'll ever let go of the idea of having an online business. Yeah. Um, I've kind of talked a little bit about that with you. There's just only so many hours in the day. <laughs> you know? I I feel like we could do a whole conversation about like the, and maybe this is a future episode. If that if this sounds interesting to you, let us know over on Instagram at Big Brave Business. But I think it would be interesting to do a whole episode where we have conversations about like the logistics of different types of businesses to your point about retail being really hard. And it's just a whole other conversation compared to like being a service provider and so on and so forth. So when I got to college, I was doing some random things. I would tutor for math, which is hilarious because I wasn't, I didn't even take any math in college. I took calculus in high school and then I tested out. I didn't even have to take math in college, but because I had taken calculus in high school, there were people who were struggling with either like college math or even calculus in our freshman year of college. And I actually got paid, people paid me to help them through their math classes, which is so funny. And then 
I started working on campus in the career services center and I learned a lot about like resumes and interviewing and I kind of established a reputation like among my friends, my sorority, etc. as the resume girl and I loved, loved, loved resumes. So people would come to me for help with their resumes in the career center, but they'd also come to me outside of my job and offer to pay me like directly. So I started helping people with resumes. I would get referrals. And honestly, I was still doing resumes and mock interviews for people on this quote unquote on the side until this business, like my podcasting business got too busy for me to continue offering that. Like I still get referrals from people who are like, do you still do this? I have somebody or so-and-so gave me your name. Like I still get those messages and I have to refer them out because I just don't have the bandwidth to do that and podcasting. It's such it's such a different, it's such a yeah. different direction. But yeah, it's what's funny to me, and I think this is interesting that I feel like it's different from my story to your story, is that I had a mindset that all of the stuff I was doing was on the side. Anything that I was doing was it's it's to make a little money right now, but none of it is permanent. None of it is long term. I can't trust entrepreneurship. I can't trust like myself. And I have to I have to get a quote unquote real job. And then this is like if I want to do stuff on the side, I'd love to be able to build something that's thriving, but I didn't actually believe I could. I really felt like if I really like reflect on how it felt in inside, it it really just always seemed like I have a million ideas of things to do on the side, but I have to have a real job. I don't know. Does that make sense? Like I yeah. didn't actually believe I could build a thriving business that would be as successful as having a quote unquote real job. And I definitely never believed I could be a serial entrepreneur and like build businesses and sell them, which is wild because now that is like a dream. Yeah, that makes sense. I think because I knew very early on that college wasn't going to be my route. And I knew that, I guess because I didn't know what my future looked like, I was willing to try anything. It was more from like a desperation of, I don't know what I want to do with my life. I like books. I like art. I like photography. I like food. And so (laughs) I was more like, what am I, what am I good at? I think it kind of, I am one of those people, unfortunately, that a lot of what brings me joy, I try to monetize, which in turn makes it where it's very hard for you to enjoy those things again, you know, which is why I purposely took a, it's very true. It's why I purposely, the one thing that I've never really tried to monetize is my love of reading because I never wanted to ever feel like a chore because for me, reading is like the escape. It's better than any vacation. It's better than anything that I could possibly, like, it's my favorite activity. I never want it to ever feel like, oh, it's just another business because I won't enjoy it. I won't enjoy it then. No, I hear you. My stepson is, uh, well, both my stepsons are really into video games, but one of my stepsons in particular is so good at, like, figuring out any game. He will figure it out and then he will conquer it. Like, he's so good. And... We have talked to him many times as he's been trying to explore what his different career options are of like, you know, people monetize this. And he's like, absolutely not. Like, it's my great love of life Mm -hmm. and I'm not going to ruin it by making it into something I have to do. I want it to be something I want to do. And I respect that. It's just so strange to my Enneagram 3 brain because like monetizing something that I love is like the dream. I can't even 
can't even comprehend that. But also it's like once you've done it once and you burn out, like I loved painted furniture. I woke up every morning super excited about it. It took me about two to three years and I was like, this is a job and it's exhausting and I don't enjoy it anymore. And the education, the desire to learn more and to, to continue to cultivate the skill, it came out of more of like, well, I've got to, I got to keep increasing my offers. So people keep coming to me. It yeah. was never like oh, what do I want to learn today? I want to learn more about this awesome thing that I love so much. Same thing with photography. I burned myself out. I used to love photography. I was constantly educating myself and I burned myself out to the point where I don't enjoy it, you know? And I tried to, or I did, I launched a lifestyle blog at the beginning of, or towards the end of last year. And I was very excited about it. It was a dream that I had always wanted to do. But when you start to make it a job, and you start making it a have to, I have to shoot this today. I have to think of content today. I have to write this today. Well, then it's just another client. It's just another job for me. And so I've really had to learn. And that's maturity on my part, because if you would have asked me that five years ago, I never would have been able to, first of all, admit that. But I do think that all the opportunities and all the things that I've created for myself have come out of a place of desperation for the most part, which is, again, we talked last week about an Enneagram 6, which I feel like is all about looking for security. So all that I ever did was like, how do I take care of myself? How do I? And so there never was a chance. There was never a, oh, I'm going to fail at this. Because when you don't have anything to fall back on, you cannot fail. (laughs) Now, now there might be variations of success. Was my painted furniture business a six-figure business? No, it wasn't. But guess what? I paid my bills at the time when I was 21, 22 years old trying to figure out life and try to figure out after failing from college and not knowing what I wanted my future to look like. You know, my big dream was to be on the stage. I wanted to be a dancer. I wanted to be an actress. And I quickly learned like, this is not going to be something that is going to instantly give me that security that I really need. Like, I'm not going to be able to make money. I'm going to be in like a great debt. And that personality wise for me just was not acceptable. And so anyways, I don't know why I went off on that, but I think it's very interesting. And I would love to hear also, we have to, by the way, by the way, I don't mean to interrupt you. We have to show some throwback pictures on our Instagram for people to come and see from us when we were younger and doing these businesses. Do you have photos? I mean, most of the stuff that I've done has always been service-based. So I have photos of me, but I don't really have, like your photos are going to be so much more fun business-wise, but I can just share throwback photos of me as a dorky kid if you would like to. I am picturing you as like a fifth grader, like in front of a computer, like with your cute glasses, <laughs> writing code for, for AOL accounts. <laughs> so we'll have well, to post some, photos, I, some throwbacks. Yeah, I'll see what I can what I can find. But I think your pictures in that regard are going to be much more interesting. But happy to post throwbacks in general. So one thing that's been really fun is one of the recent episodes we did was about the Enneagram. And since it went live, we've heard from so many of you about your Enneagram, connecting with us, things that you relate to. And it's been so fun to hear from you about what you relate to, what you don't relate to, what your Enneagram has told you about yourself. And I want to talk to you about your, and I know Amanda does too, about your entrepreneurial stories. What business did you do before the business you're doing now? And do you have links to when you were a kid and where you were thinking about business or how you could sell stuff? I saw an Instagram post the other day, a reel, where somebody was like dangling a friendship bracelet, like one of those handmade friendship bracelets. And she was like, shout out to all the girls who sold 
friendship bracelets as kids and then it like switches and she's all how's your business doing now like like, <laughs> it, like we're all we all became entrepreneurs we did and I think that's so funny but anyway so what was your what were your early entrepreneurial days we want to hear about it you can connect with us over on Instagram uh, we are combined at Big Brave Business and I am at Sarah K. Heater and Amanda is at Amanda Nelson Reed. So come find us on Instagram and tell us about your entrepreneurship stories. Yep. We want to hear from you. We'll talk to you next week. See you soon.